The sermon text is the Holy Gospel of St. Mark, chapter 8, verses 31 to 38. Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the experts in the law, be killed, and after three days rise again. He was speaking plainly to them. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But after turning around and looking at his disciples, Jesus rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You do not have your mind set on the things of God, but the things of men. He called the crowd and his disciples together and said to them, If anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. After all, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? In fact, whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. The Gospel of our Lord. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Ken is driving home from the hospital. And when he gets there, he is going to have to break news to his wife and his children that he still hasn't gotten his head around himself. Ken's doctor just told him at the hospital, although he's still pretty young and otherwise healthy, his days are numbered by a rare disease. And as Ken drives home with that news, he can't help thinking, you know, all my life, my pastors, my Sunday school teachers, my parents, they always taught me God is love. They always taught me God cares about his people. He watches over. They're coming and they're going, both now and forevermore. But what happened today, this news that I have to tell my wife and my kids, it's making all of that very hard to believe. And now Ken has a choice to make. Damien, the high school senior, is sitting around the campfire with his friends when out comes the booze. Now, he should have known better, Damien. He should have just stayed home from this particular gathering with his friends, but it's too late now. He's here. Damien knows what happens to high school seniors like him who will not have one little harmless drink with their friends. He knows he's never going to hear the end of it all the way till graduation day. Damien also knows there's a law against this, and God wants him to obey the law. Damien also remembers his mom telling him at least ten times to stay out of this kind of thing, and he knows God wants him to obey his parents. So now Damien has a choice to make. Maggie is an accountant who keeps the books for a little family-run small business, and she's sitting in her tiny little office going over the books at the end of the year. Maggie knows she's been doing this a long time. She knows this business has been on very thin ice for years. And she knows if she takes to her boss, the owner of this business, bad news, she knows what it's going to mean. It's going to be curtains. She's going to have to watch this business that she loves too close. She's going to have to watch her friends, her co-workers lose their jobs. Maggie also knows, because she's smart, she knows 
there is a way that she can bring back better news to her boss. All she has to do is get a little creative with the numbers. The only thing is this required creativity is not technically legal, you know, and it would require a little dishonesty from her. And she knows her savior wants her to be honest, so now Maggie has a choice to make. Jesus Christ is walking along with his disciples when he tells them that the time is near. He tells them it is nearly time for him to go up to Jerusalem. It is almost time for Jesus to be rejected by the religious leaders and then to suffer his cross. One of Jesus' disciples, St. Peter, does not like the sound of that. St. Peter tells Jesus, no, that should never happen to the Son of God. There should be no cross for you, Jesus. And now Jesus Christ has a choice to make. He can choose cross or no cross. That is really the same choice that Ken has to make as he drives home from the hospital with that news. Ken's choice is cross or no cross. See, if Ken clings to his faith that God is real, that God does care, that God loves his people, then Ken is in for a serious cross because he is going to have to live the rest of his days in this world with a spiritual conflict, a spiritual struggle of how a loving, caring, attentive God could allow something like this to happen to him and his people. If he holds on to the belief that God is good, he is going to suffer that cross. Or he can choose no cross. See, Ken can relieve all of that spiritual conflict, all of that spiritual struggle. He can relieve all that if he just lets go of his belief that God cares about him. Because you see, then this can all kind of make some sense. It's just a random thing, and those are the breaks. No more conflict, no more tension in his soul, no cross. That's his choice. Cross or no cross. Damien, sitting around the campfire, he has a choice to make. It's not so much southern comfort or no southern comfort. His choice is cross or no cross. He can choose to politely decline to drink with his friends and be made fun of and gossiped about. He can choose the cross of suffering for doing what his Savior wants him to do. Or he can choose no cross. He can just sit there and drink like everybody else and be like, just like all of his friends. That's his choice, cross or no cross. Maggie, the accountant, has the same choice, cross or no cross. She can choose to do the God-pleasing thing, which is to be honest, take the bad news to her boss and say, look, I'm sorry, but it's over. Watch the business close, watch her friends clock out for the last time. She can choose that cross of suffering for doing the right thing, or she can choose no cross. She can do her little baking with the books and save the business dishonestly for one more year. That is her choice. Cross or no cross. Now, you might think it sounds really petty, almost profane, to compare the cross of Damien, the kid around the campfire, and Maggie, the accountant, to the cross of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you might even think it sounds a little bit trivial to compare the cross of terminally ill Ken, although his is a lot closer to the cross of our Savior, Jesus. And it's true that no cross suffered by any Christian can ever compare it to Jesus' cross when it comes to the size. 
the severity of the cross because on Jesus' cross, he suffered the punishment of the sins of the whole world. So no other cross can ever compare to that. But crosses do come into the lives of Jesus' followers. A few weeks ago, I was reading a devotion in a wonderful little book called Day by Day We Magnify Thee. This book takes excerpts of Martin Luther's sermons and letters and writings and turns them into a devotion for every day of the year. And I read something that I do not agree with. This happens often when I read things, but not so often when I'm reading a sermon of Martin Luther, which is what this was. In this sermon that he delivered exactly 500 years ago, Martin Luther said that properly speaking, the cross of a Christian is only something that you suffer directly for your faith in Jesus. So he said, really, the only thing you can call a cross is if you are insulted directly for the name of Christ, or if you are injured or martyred directly because you are a believer in Jesus. And he said, really, nothing else is a cross. Like he said, physical illness, financial loss, that can't be a cross because unbelievers suffer those kinds of things too. Definitely agree that if you are insulted or injured directly for the name of Christ, of course, that qualifies as a cross. But I believe that crosses can come in more diverse forms than that, too. For example, an illness isn't always a cross. If I have a tickle in my throat and a little sniffle and it goes away in a couple of days, I don't think that's a cross. But if I'm diagnosed with an illness that causes me to doubt God's love for me, to doubt that he cares for me, then I am suffering for my Christian faith. And that's a cross too. Doing the right thing isn't necessarily a cross. If I do the right thing because I don't want my conscience to keep me awake at night, then that's not a cross. But if I do it because I love my Savior and I want to keep his will and then I suffer for it, that is a cross. And it's true that no cross in the life of any Christian can compare to Jesus. But any time that you have to suffer for believing what is true, for saying or doing what is right, that is a cross. And we do have this in common with our Savior. The crosses will come if we do not avoid them. When Jesus has to choose between cross and no cross, when St. Peter says he should avoid it, Jesus chooses the cross. And he chooses the cross unmistakably. He says he must suffer and die. There is really no other option in Jesus' mind. Jesus also chooses his cross emphatically. He rebukes the disciple who told him no cross. He rebukes him in the strongest possible way that he can. Jesus chooses cross without hesitation because he knows what his cross means. His cross means glory. First of all, Jesus' cross means glory for sinners like you and me. Jesus made us. He loves us. We have fallen in sin. The only way we can have the glory of heaven is through Jesus' cross, through the forgiveness of sins that we find there. So Jesus' cross is glory for us. It's the glory of life in heaven. Jesus' cross is also glory for his heavenly Father. Jesus is obeying his Father's will by doing this. He's putting his Father's desire ahead of everything else, and that's to the glory of his Heavenly Father. And of course, Jesus' cross in the end is also for his own glory. 
Because after that cross, there is the glory of his resurrection on Easter morning. Forty days after that, there's his ascension, his return to the side of his heavenly Father. And that's followed by an eternity of praise by the angels of heaven, an eternity of praise and glorification by all of his saints who trust in his saving work. Jesus voluntarily, he willingly chooses the cross because he knows what it means. In the short term, of course, it means intense pain and suffering. But in the end, it means glory. Glory for us, his people, for his Father, and for himself. And this is God's system. This is how God uses crosses. He uses crosses to give glory. That's how he used Jesus' cross, and that's how he uses your cross and mine too. Because when we have to suffer for believing what is true, for saying or doing what is right, that pulls us back to the promises of God in his word, to see the love of our Savior Jesus. When we are suffering, we are drawn back up to the Lord's table to receive our Savior's body and blood, to strengthen and renew our faith. When you suffer, you go back to the waters of your baptism and you see how much God does love you, how he made you his own in baptism. It's the saying, when you're on your back, the only way to look is up. When you are on your back, suffering from a cross, if you handle it the right way, you look back up to the love of God and his son, Jesus Christ. Your faith grows, and in the end, what happens? It's through that faith you receive the glory of the kingdom of heaven. God gives glory through crosses. He did through Jesus' cross, and he did through your crosses too. And therefore... The correct Christian perspective, the right way to look at a cross, is to embrace it, just like Jesus. To receive that cross, even with solemn joy and thanksgiving, because you know how God is going to use it for your glory in the end. We also know that the right way to view the cross is not the way Jesus' people always view their crosses. Take St. Peter, for example. St. Peter did not want Jesus to go to the cross because he wanted Jesus to gain glory through fame and political power. But that's not where God gives glory. That's the world's brand of glory, not God's. And that's why Jesus said to Peter, you have in mind the things of men. The world looks for glory in wealth and fame and power, not God. God gives glory through crosses. Peter forgot that. And we easily forget that too. It is very easy for Christians to view suffering for believing what is right, for doing what is right, as something to avoid. Because it's suffering. It's so easy to view these crosses as toxic. And it's not only easy, it's also dangerous spiritually. Jesus means what he says. If anyone would follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. We must take up our crosses, Jesus says. This is not optional for a Christian. When the time comes to suffer for right belief or right action or speech, Jesus' people must do it. And if we're not willing to, we can't really genuinely, honestly call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ. Now, in order to do this, in order to embrace crosses like our Savior Jesus, we have to remember that there is nothing in this world that can compare to the glory of heaven. Not even life itself. 
For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. We should not limit losing life here to full-on physical martyrdom. Losing life is the willingness to lose a life of ease, a life of comfort, a life of wealth, a life of fame, for the sake of glory in Jesus' gospel. It is placing the glory of Jesus' gospel so far above the glory of this world that you wouldn't let the whole world on a silver platter pull you away from the love of your Savior. After all, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Now, when we say nothing in this world is better than the glory of Jesus' gospel, that includes the praise and the approval of our world. Jesus Christ is the one who died and rose for us. It is his praise, it is his approval that matters. In fact, whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Now this is still all about embracing crosses. That if I must choose between the wealth of this world and the wealth of Jesus' cross and the poverty of this world, I will go with Jesus' cross and the cross of poverty. If I have to choose between life in this world and life in Jesus' cross and the cross of death in this world, I will go with Jesus' cross. If I have to choose between the praise and approval of this world and the praise and approval of God in the cross of Christ, along with the mockery and ridicule, of this world, I will choose the cross of Christ. So now, let's go back to our three friends that we met at the beginning. Ken, on his way home from the hospital. If he is to be a follower of Jesus Christ, he must embrace the cross of spiritual turmoil. He must hold on to his true belief that God does still love him. God is still watching over him and care for, caring for him. And he has to spend the rest of his days in this world struggling with having a loving, caring God who sometimes leaves wives as widows and children fatherless when he calls a man home to heaven. He must embrace that cross. Damien around the campfire, he must embrace the cross of being made fun of and gossiped about for the sake of doing what is right. If he is to be a follower of Jesus Christ, he must embrace that cross. Maggie the accountant, must embrace the cross of suffering for being honest and for doing what is right. They must embrace theirs, and we must embrace ours. Now, if those three Christians do that, they will suffer, they will return to God's loving promises, grow in their faith, and in the end, find glory. And so will we through our crosses. And Christians can, and they do, Embrace the cross like Jesus because God has made us new creations. When God brought you to faith in Jesus, he made you a totally new being. And one thing he did was give you a new set of eyes. He gave you his kind of eyes that see things the way most people do not see things. He gave you eyes to see things like your Savior Jesus, to look at crosses and to see glory. You are that new creation. And St. Paul says, if you are in Christ, the old has gone, the new has come. You are in Christ by faith, so you see crosses 
like your Savior, as God's source of glory. So the next time, you must confront a cross. Maybe you are confronting one right now, at this very moment in your life. Embrace that cross like your Savior Jesus. Believe what is true, even when it hurts. Do what is right, even when you have to suffer for it. Do it because you are God's creation who sees glory in crosses. So pick yours up, embrace it, and follow your Savior to glory. Amen.